This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Amen. Well, hey, let's pray, and then we're going to get into this, and uh, it's going to be a good morning. How many of you guys are expecting to hear from the Lord in your life, in your heart? Amen? Father, we just come before you today. We thank you, Father God, for your word. Your word is the only thing that can change our lives, and so we just thank you today for, for what it is that you're going to do in our lives as, as individuals, as couples, Father God, and as a church. We just thank you, Father, for what it is that you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you guys, did you guys get your notes? You guys ready for this? I want to share with you guys um, uh, the, the main point of what it is I want to talk about today is, is that God's heart is that all would be saved. Do you know that? God's heart is that everyone would be saved. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And so all throughout the Bible, there's so many verses that we could look at, you know, but, but we need to understand that that is his heart. That's his heart's desire. You know, years ago, uh, when I first got started in, in uh, forced labor, uh, my dad sent me down the road on my four-wheeler and said, you go find some work to do because I'm not going to pay, you know, for everything forever. And uh, no, that's not how it went. I just, I just jumped on the four-wheeler and headed off down the road looking for work. And uh, I started working for this one guy and uh, uh, ended up uh, scooping a lot of pig poop for a long time. But then I got promoted to the next neighbor down the road uh, who had, uh, he had two mowers and they were like the best mowers of the time. And uh, the first mower that I started on, this is just a side note, but this, this mower had been abused. And when you drove this mower, you like, you know, now we've got these zero turns and we're so spoiled. But the mower that I started on, it, it was like, I had to do like a five point turn just to turn around and go back the other way. And uh, I spent so many hours on this thing and, and uh, it, was, it was junk. And so when I got upgraded to this other neighbor that lived down the road, uh, he, his stuff was like he waxed. He waxed his mowers. They were nice and clean. And so uh, he called, I, I don't know, somehow he got a hold of mom and dad and, and uh, said, hey, I need somebody to help. So me and Greg, we went down there. And, and, and I'll never forget the first day that we went down there. And we, we, we open up the door and there's these two nice shiny mowers. And I'm thinking, man, this is amazing. And absolutely. I mean, literally, I would have mowed for free. You know, it's just they were nice. And so we, we get on these mowers and we're mowing and we get to the end and he hands us I, I, it was a $20 bill and, and we had only been there for an hour I'm like no I can't I, I can't take this you know I mean he just was excessive in his in his giving towards towards us he's like okay well you come back next week and I'm thinking yeah exactly we will come back next week you know and and uh and so that started this this uh, uh journey with Al our neighbor and uh and I'll, I just will never forget um, being down there. We spent so much time down there. Every week, you know, Greg and I would go down there. And the funny thing about Al was is that, that uh, we wouldn't even work more than 30 minutes. I mean, we didn't even break a sweat. And he's, he's flat, you know, he comes out there and he's flagging us down. He's like, no, you, need, you guys need to take a break. Come on over here and take a break, you know. And he had 
copious amounts of soda, you know, the glass bottles. And so we'd sit in these, these, these metal chairs and we'd under the tree in the shade with the wind blowing. We weren't even sweating, like the mowers barely even warmed up, right? And we still have acres and acres to mow. And uh, we'd sit there and talk and then we'd get back on the mower and we'd mow for a while. And then he'd come back out there and he'd wave us down and say, you know, you need to take a break. I don't want you to work too hard, you know? And, and every time I was just like, we don't need to stop. Let's just keep going, you know? And, uh, but what I didn't know as a young person was is that this man was just lonely. You know, he, he was, he had never been married. He was a farmer and uh, man, he just wanted, I, I, I think he paid us really to sit on the chair and talk to him. It wasn't really about the lawn. It wasn't about, you know, getting it all mowed up because he probably enjoyed mowing himself. And so, you know, we, we spent a lot of time down there and, and, uh, you know, and so years went by and we finally, um, I went off to college and I'll never forget, I came home and every time you drive past his house, it's like, you know, I wonder what Al's up to these days, you know? And, and one time we were home and I decided, ah, I'm gonna jump on the dirt bike and drive down there and see what Al's up to, you know? Because through those years, I never, the, the conversation never came around to Jesus. And I didn't really know where this guy stood. And in the back of my mind for years, it was just like, you know, Man, I wonder if Al ever accepted Jesus, you know? I sat under these tree, the tree in his front yard for years and, and never shared with him and never talked to him about it. And, and so, you know, that was in my mind. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go down there and, and uh, drove down through that ditch. I'll never forget it. And I pulled up there and Al wasn't there anymore, you know? And, they, and I, I asked some people like, you know, where'd Al go? And they said, well, he, he, he's at Risen Sun. And so, you know, I don't think it was that trip home, but there was a trip there shortly after that I came home and I'm like, I drove into Risen Sun and I went in, I was like, I'm gonna find Al and I wanna talk to him and I wanna make sure that he knows Jesus as his Lord and Savior, you know? But unfortunately, when I went in there and asked, you know, if Al was there, they said, he's not here anymore, you know, he passed away. And, and, and so I tell that story because, you know, it's not, it's not, I feel like I missed an opportunity. I mean, if, if I, I don't know specifically that there was a day where we were sitting there that it was like, okay, that was the time and I missed it. But it was just like, I, as a believer, as someone who knew Jesus, as someone who, who had a relationship with him, you know, I never said, hey, you know, Al, we're, where do you stand with Jesus? Or, or, you know, have you ever gone to church? Or, you know, and, and opened up that can of worms, so to speak, in a, rela- in, in a conversation with Al. And, and so, you know, I think that if we're all honest, we've probably all had times in our lives where there's been people that we come into contact with over and over and over and over again, and maybe we miss that opportunity. Maybe it's very, very clear in our heart and in our mind that we missed an opportunity. And, and so, you know, when we have opportunities like this, we, we must take advantage of these opportunities. We must. And, and we have to really lean into those moments. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that we're pressuring a person, but, but we really need to have more of an attitude of, you know, there's something on the inside of me. There's something, there is a supply, there is knowledge that's been placed on the inside of me as a believer, and I have something that will help that person. 
And, and in, in your conversations and in our conversations and in our relationships and when we meet people, we really need to lean into their life and, and, and say, and, and, and try to open up a conversation or sow a seed that maybe would later uh, uh, have a conversation where, where a harvest could take place in that person's life. And, and, and we're gonna see today that that's the heart of our Father. His heart is that all people would be saved, regardless of what we as people think about other people. Because you and I both know that we are all tempted in, in um, our thinking towards other people. You know, I was talking with Rachel yesterday, like the day and age that we live in, you know, the divide and the, and the separation of people and the opinions and this side and that side. I mean, there is... There is a temptation as a believer to, to pull back. There's a temptation to, you know, put up your fence and, and resist and, and not, not lean into conversations with people that don't think like you or, or don't believe like you or, you know, and, and so I don't believe that that's how Jesus walked when he walked the earth. I don't believe that that's the heart of our father. And so, you know, my desire today is just to, to plant a seed in your heart that will help you to be more mindful of what it is that's going on around you, to carry the heart of your heavenly father no matter where you go no matter who you talk to, no matter what it is that's going on, no matter what that person looks like, no matter what they smell like, no matter what they believe, that maybe you know that they don't believe anything like you. Maybe they don't even live like you. Maybe the things that they do and say are abrasive, they're offending, they're, they're, they're hurtful, and so you completely resist them. But I'm here today to tell you that you might just be the one. You might be the person that God God wants to use to reach that person. But can I tell you that if, you, if we don't have the heart of our Father, we, we won't be used in that way. He'll find somebody else. He said that the, the, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. I believe that he said that the laborers are few because we don't really, truly embrace and remember and live the heart of our Heavenly Father. You know, and I think that we, in the day and age that we live, it's a com consumer mentality. It's a consumerism church. That, that, I mean, when I say church, I mean believers in, in at large, that, that all believers make up the church. But you know, we're so, we're just a, a, a now generation, a McDonald's generation, a, a YouTube generation, in the click of a button, we can get whatever it is that we need. And, and we think that that's, how, how he operates and it's not, you know? And so I just, I just want you to know that, you know, if we're honest, we've all missed it, you know? And what's so encouraging is that we're not alone when it comes to missing it. You know, I, I was thinking through some of the people, you know, you think about Moses, you know, God said, hey, I've called you to deliver the people. What did Moses do, man? He made up excuse after excuse after excuse. He said, you know, he had a speech impediment. He's like, man, you need to ask my, you need to find somebody else. Uh, one point, you know, they had been in the wilderness for a long time and God said, I want you to speak to the rock. And he was so torqued off and mad that he hit the rock twice. 
He's like, oh, these people, you know, and water flowed. You know, but, but the thing is, is that God wanted to show the people of Israel his love and his kindness through Moses. And, and he said, Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. But Moses was so frustrated, so angry, he hit the rock with a stick. What did that communicate to the people? It was a bad representation of who God really was. You know, and, and you think about Gideon. He was called to deliver the Israelites from the Midianites. What did he say? I'm the weakest. I am the least. Jeremiah, he was appointed as a prophet. And he said, I'm only a child. That guy, he, he talked for 40 years before anyone ever listened to him. Can you imagine? He, I mean, if there's anybody in the room that you know, doesn't need to share the message of Jesus with somebody that's close to him, it's the person that has been talking to others about Jesus for 40 years and no one's listening. Okay, then you can stop. No, you can't. Paul, he authored a majority of the New Testament, yet he felt inadequate. And I think that, you know, in all, of these, in all of these people's lives, they all felt something different. They all did something different. They all had a different excuse. So, so any excuse that you and I could ever come up with is covered by the word of God. And any excuse that we could ever come up with is lame. And it does not change the fact that God wants us to do. He wants us to act. He wants us to share. He wants to take, you know, take advantage of opportunities and lean into those, those relationships that you have. Man, we are sent to this earth to do a job. And, and I don't think that we think that. I think we think, okay, well, I'm here to be blessed and you know, pay the bills and do this and raise the kids and you know, mow the lawn and put the snowblower away and all of these things. When in reality, we're, we're placed on this earth to finish a job for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that is that all might be saved. All might be saved through the church, through us as individuals, as believers, as people who know their God. They will do the works and greater works is what Jesus said. And so we need to be doing that. You know, Jonah, you remember Jonah? That guy, he ran the opposite way. He, Lord said, I want you to go to Nineveh. He's like, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm going west, you know? And so he jumps on a boat and he's asleep. I mean, talk about a conscience that was seared. God had said, go to Nineveh, talk to the people of Nineveh. I want you, you know, and what did he do? He jumps on a boat, takes off. He's sleeping in the middle of a storm. That is a person who, who, who pushed down and resisted what it was that his heavenly father wanted him to do. Thankfully, he got his attention, and after two times, he got him to go to Nineveh and preach the gospel. And so, you know, maybe you've missed it. I've missed it. These people have missed it. But life is too short. There is too much to do. There's, there's lives and people's lives that are on the line in our life. You know, and I, th and I think that, you know, we, we, we do. We're surrounded a lot by Christians and believers. And thank God for church family because, you know, uh, uh, it, it strengthens us. It sharpens us. It makes us better. I am so thankful for, for our church and the people that are a part of our church because I am better for the people that surround me. But, but there's more to it. There's more to it. There's, there's people that are hurting. There's people that are lost. There's people that need what I have. They need the, to be welcomed. They need to be accepted. They need to be a part of a family. And it's up to you and I to, to get that job done, 
to see to it that those people are welcomed in, to see to it that those people are, 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 are accepted and brought in and encouraged and, and, and uplifted in their time of need. It's up to me and you as believers to do that. And so, you know, the heart of our Father is, is that all might be saved. And, and his heart is, is still the same. And, and Paul prayed this in 1 Timothy 2. I'm not sure if you remember this. It's actually, I, I brought it here today in the message version. It says that he wants not only us, right? This is talking about God. Paul is talking about God. He said he, he wants not only us, but everyone saved. Everyone Every neighbor that you have that is on your street, he wants saved. Every person that sits in the same office that you sit in, he wants saved. Every person that is in Casey's getting gas, he wants saved. Every person that's in Hy-Vee or Walmart, he wants saved. Every single one, he wants saved. It goes on to say at the end of that verse, eventually the news is, go is going to get out. This and this only has been my appointed work, getting this news to those who have never heard of God. That was Paul's mission, was getting the news of Jesus to this world to those that were around him. And we should have the same, the same mission, the same passion, the same desire to see to it that, that everyone in our world is saved and, and, and knows Jesus. And so today I wanna look at, at Luke 15. So if you brought a Bible, you can look, uh, look there in Luke 15 because you know we don't have a, a lot of time to, to look at the whole thing, but I would encourage you to go home and look at Luke 15 and just kind of read it because it, it, it paints a very, very clear picture of the heart of our Heavenly Father. And, and you know, Jesus, Jesus is walking uh, to Jerusalem, I believe it was, and, and he's, all of these people are following him, the Pharisees and, and the scribes and, and these guys, man, they were just all about the, the, the Bible. They you know, honestly, these guys remember like five, the first five books of the Bible they could have by memory. You know, so they were, they were learned and, and they, they understood, but, but what you see is, is that there were tax collectors and there were sinners that also followed Jesus. And, and, and what's amazing is, is that tax collectors and sinners were attracted to Jesus. They, they, they wanted to be in his presence. They wanted to follow him. And, and it wasn't that Jesus was, you know, I think sometimes we have this misconception that, that he was stooping to their level. No, he wasn't stooping to their level. He was living a life and, and being an example and showing them something that they wanted. They were hungry. They're like, this man has something that I need. It was a, it was a deep yearning in their life that it's like, I wanna be, I wanna be around this guy. And, and what you see is, is that the Pharisees and the scribes, these guys were, they were judging Jesus because of who surrounded him. But they were missing the forest for the trees because they, what they didn't realize was is that they too, with the knowledge that they had of, of, of God, had, had it been pure in heart, understanding that, that all would be saved they could have had that same kind of example, that same kind of influence in the lives of sinners and in the lives of, of tax collectors and in the lives of people that were frowned upon. And, and so we see here that, you know, um, 
Jesus tells these three stories of, of important or valuable things that were, that were lost. Uh, the first one was the man with a hundred sheep. If he had a hundred sheep and one left, what would he do? He would leave and he would go. And it says in the, in, the, in the Bible, it says that he would search until he found it. I know deer hunters in here that will not search until they find it, right? It's like, well, I guess well, I shot it, but I don't know where it went. You know, they track it for days, you know, and then they get to the point where it's like, I can't find it. I'm done, right? But not these guys. It says that they searched until they found the one. That's commitment right there. That's commitment. The other one was the lost coin where, where, where a woman loses one coin and she turns the whole house upside down looking for the one. I think in our lives we need to turn our whole life upside down to look for the one. Maybe we need to turn our lives upside down for the one person that's in our lives. To, to be uh, taken out of our comfort zone and to maybe be inconvenienced a little bit for the one person, for that coin, for that lost person in our lives. But I wanna look here at this, this story where Jesus tells about the two sons and the father. And, and you guys know this, this story. But, but before I get into that, I wanna back up because Luke 15, seven says it this way. It says that in the same way, there is more joy in heaven for one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over the 99 others who are righteous and have not strayed away. We don't, we don't think about that though. We think, we think, we talk about the, 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 uh, the grandstands of faith that are cheering us on and, and all, and that's great. We need to be cheered on and we need that. But this is telling us that there's something that's more that's more, there's more ruckus, there's more noise, there's more joy, there's more happiness, and, and that is for the one person that, is, that, that makes heaven their home. The one decision, there's more excitement for the one. Not the, not the, there's, there's less excitement for, the, for us walking in faith, being people of integrity, being people of our word, loving those that are around us. There's, there's less excitement for us, unfortunately. I'm sorry. I mean, we, you know, we all, we all want to be cheered on. We all want to be encouraged. You know, our hope is that, yeah, you're doing a great job, you know, and that's what we want. But guess what? Heaven's like, man, I'll tell you what's important. It's the person that's lost that comes to know him. And so... It's just so important, guys, that we understand the, the, the heart of our Heavenly Father and what heaven really is really truly celebrating. And that is, is that no one would be uh, lost, you know? And, and, and so we see this story here is, is that it's, it's, it's sad, uh, you know, but yet when you, when you read this story, you can, I can see myself in both brothers. I probably see myself more in the brother that was the oldest son because I'm a rule follower. I don't know why that is. Probably the training of my mother. I don't really know. I don't know if it's because I'm a firstborn. I don't know. I see myself more in the older son, unfortunately, which really, that's, that's really what this story is about. A lot of times we look at this, you know, but, but you guys remember it, that, that the youngest son wanted his share, right? He comes to his dad. He says, 
And, and really, in essence, what he's saying, and most of the time, you know, they would wait until they passed away to hand down the inheritance. So in essence, this young man is saying to his dad, I really wish you were dead. I want my inheritance now. And when you read the story, it's just amazing because the father, he didn't, he didn't say anything. He, said, he didn't say, are you sure? He, he, he said, and he gave it to him. He divided it up. He gave it to the son. And the son did what? He packed it up and walked out of his dad's presence. I mean, you, th- you put yourself in the position of the father, that had to hurt. I mean, here you are, you got two sons, and it's like one decides of his own accord that he's gonna take what it is that you've worked hard. And that's really probably not the, p- the part that's, that's sad, is, is him taking what it is that he worked for. It's the fact that he left his presence. And I mean to tell you guys, when you look at this, this story and you, and you think about the presence of your father. There's, there's so much that could be said about that, and, and I don't, I don't wanna spend a lot of time on that, but there's something to be said about being in your father's presence. He chose to walk out of his father's presence, and he packed it all up, and he left, and then we know that he wasted it on, with reckless living, you know, and then this, this famine sweeps in and, and overtakes everything. And so he, he's blown through all of the inheritance and he's, he's living life and a famine comes in and he is starving. Now you have to remember that he was a Jewish, he was a Jewish young man. And, and Jews, didn't, they didn't have anything to do with pigs. But here we see that this young man was so low, life was, 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 was so desperate, he was so hungry that he went to a pig farmer and began to work for this pig farmer. And, and I see something here that's just, you know, um, that's kind of interesting in verse 16. It says that he was so hungry, and it said that no one would give him anything. So here this man who had everything, get, spent it all, and now he's working for, for this, this pig farmer. It says right here that no one would give him anything. I, you know, I, I, as I read that, I wonder who around me in my life is asking that question, is, is saying, why will no one give me what it is that I need? Why, why will no one share with me what it is that I'm looking for? And, and, and you know, I wonder if Al ever asked that question. Why is no one giving me what it is that I really seek, what it is that I really desire? He was starving, the young man was starving. I wonder who in our lives is starving, who in our lives are hungry, who in our lives are hurting, who in our lives are just looking and needing and desiring someone to give us, give them something. And, and so I wonder how many of those people are in our lives in the very place that we live in. You know, and, and what's sad is, is I think that sometimes we just, we don't, we don't see these people. And so my heart today and my prayer for you and us and myself is to not just go through life just not, not paying attention and not, not with everywhere that we go, with every person that we talk to, that we're not just like on attention and asking ourselves the question, is this person looking for something? Are they hungry? Are they hurting? Do they need something? Am I that person, Lord? And, and we pray that in our hearts that it's like, Lord, use me. Even if it's a person I don't even know. Is there, is there someone that you want to, 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 to help 
and encourage and bring, uh, you know, sustenance to their lives in their time of, of need. And, and so this young man, he comes to his senses. And what's amazing is, is that he comes to his senses. And I think, man, there, there's times where I need to come to my senses. Anybody else in here ever come to your senses? It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, I am not right in that scenario. I am wrong. You come to your senses. And so he comes to his senses and he realizes that he's made a grave mistake. Number one, he, 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 left his dad's presence. And he's like, you know what? I'm going back to my dad's presence. And so what's amazing though is, is that he begins to rehearse what he's gonna say. And he, and he rehearses the fact that he, he, he said, I, I've sinned against you and I'm not worthy and all I wanna be is your servant. And he begins to rehearse that and then he starts heading home. And so this is kind of where we pick it up that, that I kind of want to, I really want to pull some points out for you and I when it comes to understanding the heart of our Heavenly Father. Although we can probably see ourselves in the young son or in the older son, you know, at the end of the day, I want to focus on the Father. I believe that the Father's heart, when, when the Father's heart becomes our heart, then we're on to something. When His heart becomes our heart, and that's what our prayer needs to be each and every day. Lord, I just pray that my heart would be your heart. That I wouldn't, you know, it's not necessarily what it is that I want, but Lord, what is it that you want? What is it you want to do? Where is it that you want me to go? Who is it that you want me to see? And, and, and I believe that when we, see, when we see what he sees, we're on to something. We're doing the work and the will of the Father. When we have his heart and we see the way that he sees, we're on to something. And so look at here what it says. There's three attributes of the Father that I just wanna pull out. And the first one here is in Luke 15, 20. It says, so he returned home to his father. Now this is a young son, he's coming home. And he says, and while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming. Number one in your notes is this, is that the father's eyes were up and looking. Why do I say that? Because it says here that when he was still a long ways off, he saw the, fa he saw the son coming. He could not have seen his son coming from a long ways off if he didn't have his eyes up and he wasn't looking for his son. The day his son left the house to, to go, I guarantee you, he, he, he was every day. He's out there looking, waiting, watching. I wonder, I wonder if, if he just set aside some of the work and he let, let all of his other servants and his oldest son who was more focused on the business at hand and he just sat there. Or maybe he stood on the front porch and he waited and he looked and he watched the horizon. He knew where his son would come from. And so each and every day, he focused way out in the distance. He wasn't looking down. He was waiting and looking. That's what we need to be doing. I think though that sometimes in our lives, it's like we got our eyes down. We're, 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 we're down and doing our thing. And some of us, we have, I, I, I include myself, I have earbuds in. I'm, I'm closing out the world, baby. It's like silence, right? And we do our thing and then you walk in and have you ever walked into somewhere and you got your earbuds in and, and people are looking at you like, yeah, you're not listening to me. You're listening to something else, right? It's not, it's not I'm not indicating to the world, hey, I wanna talk to you. It's like, don't talk to me. I'm not listening, right? 
But not this guy, man, he's looking, he's waiting, he's, he's, his, eyes, his eyes were up. And, and number one is, is that, are you a long ways off today? Maybe you're, maybe you're a long ways off. And, and I, I want you to know that if you are, your heavenly father, he's waiting. He's waiting and he's looking and he's, his eyes are up. He's waiting for you as a believer to come back and be a part and be in his presence. But you know, when it comes to uh, this idea, it requires focus, it requires effort, it requires that our eyes are up and looking. I'll give you a perfect illustration. I know it's perfect. How many of you guys, Steve's not in here. How many of you guys ever speed? You're late somewhere. I know there's some, I will not point you out, but there are some people in here that you speed. You, you are always late, and so when you're late, you're driving way over the speed limit. Right, we won't even point any names, we won't point anybody out. I got some thumbs up. But when I speed, okay, I'm just gonna confess, which is not very often, I am a very law-abiding citizen, but when I speed, when I am late, where are my eyes? Are they on my phone? Are they texting people? No, they are on the horizon. What am I looking for on the horizon? Cops. <laughs> my eyes are up and I'm looking. I'm looking for the person that could really ruin my day. That's what we need to be doing. Are, are our eyes up? Are we, do we have that much, like every sense, when you're speeding, every sense is on high alert, right? Every sense. There's no, oh man, I'm so relaxed. Now my brother, he speeds that way. I know he does. He drives that fast and doesn't really care what happens because he knows that he can go to court and get out of it somehow miraculously. I don't really understand it, but it doesn't matter. But everybody else on this world, on this earth, their, their senses are on high alert for that which they are looking for. And so my point is, is that as believers, we need to have, that's the way the Father was. His senses were on high alert. He's looking off in the distance on the horizon of, of, their, of their land, waiting to see the silhouette of his son walking back. And as believers, are we looking for the silhouette of someone that is hurting, someone that's lost, someone that's, that's searching for Jesus? That's the way we need to be. That's the attitude and, and, and the mindset that we need to have when it comes to these people that are lost because that is the heart of the father, the one that his eyes are up and looking. Number two is this. He was filled with love and compassion and he ran, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. Number two is the father was full of love and compassion, full, absolutely filled and full of compassion. He ran to him. In Jewish culture, elderly men that were extremely wealthy, which this guy was, they did not run anywhere. They sent someone to run, right? They had, they had people that worked for him, people that did their stuff, and he, they would send a person, they would send someone out. But not this guy. When he saw what he knew to be his son, he ran. And can you imagine being somebody that worked for him? I mean, I guarantee you that, that none of his servants caught him. They, they did not catch up with him. 
right? Because he was running so fast because he knew it was his son. And they probably got there and they're like, is everything okay? Is everything okay? Yeah, my son is home. His, his, his primary focus was, was the return of his son. And, and so he ran because he was full of love. He was full of compassion for his son, full of tenderness. That's what compassion is, is, is tenderness towards something. Psalms uh, 86, 15 says, but you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to anger, anger and filled with, with unfailing love and faithfulness. That's the heart of our Heavenly Father, guys. And so my question today is is that we can can thank Him and be so thankful for His compassion and His love and His tenderness in our lives because we all need need it. And if you're here today and you do not know that your Heavenly Father loves you because of things that you've done or things that have happened to you, I'm here today to tell you emphatically that He loves you, that he, he's, not, he's not ashamed of you, He desires you, He wants you back just as this Father did. But just as this Father had a heart full of love and full of compassion, we too, as we walk out into our daily lives, should have our eyes up, our eyes looking, and be full of compassion and full of love when we walk into to a workplace, when we walk into any place. Be full of love. But I don't know that that's what we are. I think sometimes we're full of judgment. We're full of an opinion. We're full of, of looking at someone that's not like us in thinking the thoughts that we think. We go down this road in our, in our thinking that, that they're not like us, they don't believe like us, they don't talk like us, that they attacked me. Maybe, maybe it's somebody that, that has attacked you. And so when you look at them, you don't look at them being full of love and compassion. No, you, you might even look at them with, with retaliation. How am I gonna get back at this person? How am I going to make this person pay for what it is that they did to me? Throughout scripture, and in, 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 we see multiple examples where God was asking people to do something and it was, it was this condition of their heart that was all wrong. It was the exact opposite of love and compassion. Now, I'm not trying to minimize what it is that maybe has happened to you, but, but think about the father. Think about what had happened to him. He had been, he had been told, I wish you were dead, and, the, and his son took the money and left, and left him. That, that, that's exactly what ha- has happened to Jesus. I mean, he was spit on, he was beat, we're gonna celebrate his resurrection, but think about his life, what it is that has happened to him. And, and these people in the Bible that we see, their example of, I think that are, I mean, you know, you, you think about Paul, like he was beat and, and shipwrecked and all of these things happened to him as a result of him trying to share, to help people be, so that all would be saved. Yet people beat him, they put him in prison, they did all of these things. I, I have not been beat yet as a result of my faith, thank God. So, so my point is, is that although t- things can be tough in our lives, things can be challenging, people can wrong us, people can have opinions that are against ours and stand against us and maybe are, 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 are offensive to us. I'm asking you, to have the heart of, a, of the Father 
And that is, you know what, they may have said something that was cruel. They may have done something that was, was bad. Maybe they, they backstabbed me or did something that was not kind. But you know what, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have, I'm determined to have the heart of my heavenly father. And that is, I'm gonna be full of love. I'm gonna be full of compassion for, for them because why? Because they're lost because they're hurting, because they're starving. That, you know, we've all heard it said that, that hurt people hurt people. And so that is an indicator that, that, that they, they need him more than ever. They are the very person that we are talking about. They are the lost one. They are the hurting one. But guess what? If we, if we hold resentment and anger and 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 bitterness towards these people that are in our lives, God will never use us to reach them. And I believe that there's gonna be a day where we're gonna give an account for, for the people that we come into contact with and, and we're gonna give an account for it. And so I understand that we have to be like Jesus and we have to say, you know what? Just as he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And we need to say the same thing in our life. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing but I'm gonna be, be bigger than this. I'm gonna rise above it. I'm gonna have the heart of my heavenly father. I'm gonna be full of love and compassion for them. I'm gonna pray for them. Even though they hurt me, I'm gonna pray for them. And I'm gonna ask you to, to heal that, that situation. I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna take it a step further and I'm gonna ask you to bring me to a place where I can speak into their lives. I can bring hope, health, and healing into them and, I, and, I, and Lord, I ask you to help me to be that conduit in their lives. I won't let what it is that was done or said to me hinder me and stop me from doing what it is that you called me to do. I won't be like Jonah. I won't be like these people that disobeyed. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna do what it is that you called me to do. And so we have to be full of love and compassion. It goes on to say here in Luke 15, 21, it says that his son said to him, now I, I, want you to, I want you to get this because here he is, he's come home, he rehearsed what it was that he said. He said, I, I, I've re, I'm, I, I'm gonna repent, I'm gonna tell him I'm sorry, I'm gonna tell him I, I, I'm not worthy and I'm, I just wanna be a servant and look what it says. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you in heaven and, and I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servant, quick, think about that. He didn't say, he, he, he had no conversation with his son. He didn't even listen. He didn't even acknowledge what it was that his son said to him. He was so excited. This dad was so excited that his son was home. He had just ran. Think about that. An old man running, running all the way out. I'm sure it was miles. He ran out there and they come back and he's so excited and his son's probably got his arm around and says, dad, I just want you to know I've sinned against you. And he's like, he didn't even acknowledge it. He, he said, he's telling all of his servants, go get this, go get that, bring the robe, bring the, bring the ring, my son is home. We need to put our arm around somebody. And we need, to, we need to share the love of Jesus with them. Be like this father, because number three, his focus was on restoration, not on condemnation. He didn't say, I wish you were dead, he didn't say, I hope you learned your lesson. He didn't say, what the heck were you thinking? He didn't say, well, I told you so. I told you this would happen. You made a huge mistake. 
And now you're going to work for years to bring yourself until I can trust you again. He didn't say that. He didn't say I lost respect. No, he didn't say that. He said, bring him the ring, bring him the robe, bring him the giant steak, like a 40-ounce steak. (laughs) Here you go. He was happy. He was excited. And, and, and he, his focus was not on condemnation at all. It wasn't, you did this, you did this, you did it. It wasn't that. That's what we do, though. You did this, you did this, you did this seven years ago, you did this 15 years ago. We can't do that. We've got to put it behind us. And we've got to forgive them. The Bible says that if we don't forgive, we can't be forgiven. And so as believers, we have to forgive so that we too can receive forgiveness in our own lives. His focus was on a son that was dead that is now alive. His focus was on a son that was lost and now lives. And that's what our focus needs to be. Our focus needs to be that when we see somebody walking into our building that we don't know, our focus needs to be on the fact that they're home. They're coming home. They're coming home to be healed. They're coming to be a part of our family. That's the, that needs to be the church, the, the church that Fellowship Church is about, a, the heart of the Father, that it's like we're not looking at anybody. We don't care what they're dressed like. We don't care about anything that's on their arms. We don't care about the car that they drive. We're just happy that they're home. That's the heart of the Father. His focus was on the fact that they were home, that he was back, that he's here. And John 3, 17 says that for God did not send his son into this world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved. And so if you're here today and you think that it's condemnation, I just want you to know that, that, that the devil is the one that's condemning you for what it is that you've gone through, the things that, you've, that have happened in your life. If you have condemnation or you feel ashamed and condemned, that's the devil. Because Jesus did not come to condemn you. He came to accept you. He came to restore you. He came to help you, just as we've seen in this story. And so, how do we apply this to our lives? Number one, we have to have our eyes up and looking. Paul said in 2 Timothy in the last days that people would be lovers of themselves. I don't want to be a lover of myself. And I hope you don't either. If we're a lover of ourself, we are self-consumed. If we're a lover of ourself, we don't care about anybody other than ourself. I gotta go here, I gotta get this done, I gotta get this done, and, and I don't have time for this, that, and the other. And that's how we live our lives. And so we can't be a lover of self because he said in the last days, people, and we read that scripture and we're like, I would never do that. Well, have you? Have we, have we not shared with people? Have we been you know, uh, inconvenienced by other people and said, I can't do that? If we have, we're a lover of self. But I don't wanna be that way. I wanna be someone that is, my eyes are up and I'm looking. And, and, and uh, verse 16 says that he became so hungry, but no one would give him anything. We have to be people that are looking, our eyes are up and we're looking for those that are hungry. I'm telling you, you know, I, 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 I've fallen into the trap. Well, there's nobody around me that I can share with. And there might not be. There might not be people that are hungry. 
They might be so, so self-consumed, they don't care. They are not the ones that you need to waste your time on. You need to be looking for those that are hungry, those that are hurting. Those are the ones that are ready to be, to be harvested into the kingdom of God. Those are the ones that someone is praying for. Those are the ones that someone is praying, Lord, send a labor into their path, and you're the one. And you can say, well, yeah, I just don't know what to say. I'm not, I, I don't know the Bible. I don't, I'm not a theologian. I, guess what? I feel the same way. But you know what the Bible said? He said he'd strengthen us. He'd, he'd bring to our remembrance the things that we need to, when we need it. So we just step into it. And, and I can remember in high school, I was an underclassman. I was in this hotel room with these guys because we were up at State Track and the lights were out, thank God, because if, it, if they were on, I would have been so nervous, I probably would have left the room. But some questions started be, you know, being asked and, and I just started talking. And some guys got saved as a result. And, and, and my point is, is that he will, he will do the work you just gotta just open your mouth and begin to talk and share and pray with somebody and, and just see where it leads. You know, do your part and let him do his part, amen? And so our eyes need to be up and it needs to be looking, not down and focused on our life, up and looking. Number two, we need to show love and compassion. Show love and compassion, not, not judgment, not displeasure, not our opinion. Our opinion doesn't matter. How, how someone's living, the choices they're making, you have to understand that the devil, the God of this world has blinded their eyes. They don't even know that the way in which they're living is wrong. But as believers and as Christians, we look at it and we're like, you're wrong. You should not be living that way. And so what does that do? We, we put up the fence and we, we say, stop living wrong. And we, we have this opinion and we, we, we don't show love and compassion. Love and compassion understands that they're blind. Love and compassion understands that they don't know that they're wrong. Love and compassion puts up with the mouth and the, and the speech. Love and compassion puts up with how they're living. Love and compassion, you know, makes, makes, room for where they're at. It doesn't mean that that's where they're gonna stay. And so as we, as we lean into the situation, we have to just allow ourselves to not be put off by the way that they're living and understand that it's a process, that, that, that God wants to clean them up and he's gonna use you to speak and to help and to encourage and to love and show compassion and be tender. Here a while back, we, it was in the spring of the year, the sirens are going off and the tornado sirens are going off in trainer. And I'm, I'm you know, relaxed, just watching the show, not, not concerned at all about the storms. I have that, that stuff, no big deal. Why? Because he rebukes the devourer for our sake. But anyway, so I'm chilling out in the basement watching something nice, you know, internet's still working, we're in good shape. Next thing I know, Rachel yells down and says, hey, there's a lady here. She wants to pay you for mowing. Yes, after all these years, I am still mowing. But anyway, <laughs> I'm like, who is here? The sirens are going off. The wind's blowing about 100 miles an hour, and there's a lady here that wants to pay me. Okay, I'll take some money. So I go upstairs, 
And there, there stands one of the ladies that I'm O for. And she's all apologetic because she'd been out of town. And I'm like, yeah, no big deal. And I asked her, I said, how have things been going? Actually, I'm like, why on earth are you here? <laughs> right? Like, you need to come downstairs. We need to get inside. <laughs> Could be a tornado out here. I don't know. But I, I just said, hey, you know, how, how you been doing? And I mean, this woman just broke down right there in the front. Rachel was standing there. She had just lost her son. And uh, actually, now that I think about it, it was snow removal because he, he hired me to push the snow and he was a handicapped guy. And he, uh, um, he had had some complications. And uh, I'd been texting him. I'm like, man, this guy, I don't know where he's at, <laughs> right? <laughs> he hadn't been responding. To, well, I guess I'm not getting paid this year, <laughs> you know? So she shows up and she said, you know, we lost, we lost him. And man, I just was like, I just, I just grabbed her. I just grabbed, I just hugged her, you know, and just, and just loved her and showed her compassion. And then Rachel and I, you know, we just grabbed her hands and we prayed, you know, what do you, what do you say? What do you do? You know, she lost her son that was my age. And, 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 and so it's just in those moments where you're going to come into situations where, you know, it's like, oh gosh, what do I do? What do I say? you know, and, and you question your ability and it's like, just show them love. Just show them compassion, give them a hug. Just, just care about them, just, just, hey, you know, and, and I think sometimes it's like, I'll pray for you as they're walking away. And we don't, we don't pray for them. No, 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 we just grab their hand right there, right then and there, who cares who's around, right? Do you think the father was worried about who was around? No, man, his son was home. And the same thing is true in our lives. It's like, we just, gotta, we just gotta show love and compassion. And maybe it's not a hug. You know, if you're, you're in a workplace and you're a guy, you're not gonna be like, hey man, come on, give me a big old hug, right? No, no, that's not what I'm, I, I'm saying you, we're sensitive to what people are going through, right? If you're talking to somebody behind a counter and, and they, they begin to share some things with you, if, if it's not a good spot to pray, don't pray for them right then and there. But man, when you get out to your car, say, Father, I pray for so-and-so, the guy that sells me parts or, or, or whoever. And I ask you to help them, right? It's, it's showing love, showing compassion. It's, 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 and we can see it, you know, when, when, when our eyes are up and our eyes are open, sometimes it's, it's very evident. When she was standing there and she began to cry, that's pretty, I mean, hello, right? But another time I was on the phone with a guy calling him about something that I shouldn't buy. And uh, I was like, looking at buying something. I was just like, shouldn't be buying this. I'm gonna call him anyway. How many of you guys make that the same mistake? I did the same thing, yep. Just justified in your mind, I shouldn't be buying this. And then you just make a phone call and the next thing you know, you're giving him cash. But anyway, so I'm, I'm call, I call this guy and, and uh, he, we're rolling along through the conversation and he, I didn't know him, but he had lost his wife. And I just kept on rolling, right? And two, three days later, I was just like, it dawned on me. I need to go talk to him. And I had like, what's really crazy is about it. And I, I'm, I need to do it. I haven't done it. I'm repenting right now, right here. I had just bought a book of a guy who had lost his wife. And I believe that I bought that book, not for myself, but I bought it for this guy. And I'm gonna take the book to the guy. And I'm gonna give it to him and I'm gonna say, 
Can I pray with you? And, and I, you know, I don't know if he's saved. Maybe he's saved, but guess what? The guy's hurting. Thank God if he's saved, that's what, that's what Jesus came for, right? But, but he's hurting. And as a person, it's like my eyes are up. I'm looking. I'm, I, I've got my antenna up. I'm looking for people that need my help. God's going to use me. And, and I just have to be obedient. I got to step into it. I got to do what it is with love and with compassion. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and helpful to one another, tenderhearted, compassionate, compassionate, right? That's tenderness, understanding. I think that's a word that we can say to ourselves over and under, over and over again. I'm understanding, I'm understanding, I'm understanding, right? Maybe you don't understand. Maybe you, you, uh, the way that a person's living their life, it's like, I don't understand. I don't understand how they could be so deceived. But then you can remind yourself, the God of this world has gotten them to where it is that they're at. So you understand completely. But you don't sell them off and say, I don't understand why you're doing this and I won't have anything to do with you. No, we're gonna be kind, we're gonna be helpful, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Number three and finally is this, restore. Restore and don't condemn. We're in the restoration business and it's not just a Sunday morning restoration business, right? It's not just a Sunday service restoration where we all gather as believers and we hope that somebody comes to our house, into our home, and, 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 and is lost. Now that's our prayer, and you guys can join us. We pray every single Tuesday, and we are praying for people to fill this place. And I want you guys to join me in praying that this, now it's not filled today because of the snow, right? And some of us are like, I don't want this place to be filled. I want my space, right? You go to a, uh, I mean, I did this. We just went to a, a movie. I don't want to sit next to some other guy in a recliner. But guess what? We got enough room in here. This place can be filled and you can still have your space. And I want you guys to pray with us because we're asking God to fill this place. But can I tell you that if we don't have the heart of our father, you think he's gonna send us people? He might send us some to test us and then they're turned away. Man, I do not want that to be Fellowship Church. I want Fellowship to Church to be known by all in this region and it will be known by all as a place of love, as a place of acceptance, as a place of restoration. Not a place of judgment, not a place of condemnation, no, love, compassion. We're waiting, we're waiting for these people to drive in that we have never seen that car. And we are on high alert. We're not, we are not even concerned about the friends that are in this church. We're gonna walk away from the conversations that we're in because we're gonna go and we're gonna welcome these people in that are new because God's gonna send them. And that's what those people need. And that's what I need as a pastor from you is that we're accepting these people. And it's not just me, it's just not Rosie, it's all of us. If you're working in a department and you see somebody that you don't know, you say, hey, I wanna welcome you as a part of our family. I wanna welcome you in to what it is that's going on here. You are a part, we're glad you're here. If there's anything that you need, I, I am, this is who I am. 
I'm here to help you and love them and show them compassion. And they may not be all cleaned up. They may not be exactly like you, but that's okay. We are in the business of restoring, not condemning. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just, we come before you today with every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to this point in our service that is the absolute most important part of this service. Why? Because it is where the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us as individuals. And it's at this point where we make a decision. We make decisions, we make choices. It is, it, is, it is a place in our life that we can look back and say, it was at that point that I changed. And so today, Father God, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anybody in here and you are like this young son and you are far from God, today is the day to get right with him, to come back into his presence. If you're that person, with just all you gotta do is just raise your hand and say, that's me, I wanna come back. Is there anybody in here? Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Okay? Maybe you don't know him as your Lord and Savior. Today is the day. Is that, if that's you, if you have never made him the Lord of your life and say, Brian, that's me. I want to make him the Lord of my life. Just raise up your hand. Put it right back down. Anybody in here? All right. Father, we just come before you. Father, we thank you for the heart your heart for mankind, your heart for people, your heart for the lost. And Father, I just pray for for each and every one of us. And although, Lord, we didn't see lost people today, Father, we're gonna see lost people coming. That is our prayer. The harvest is great. And there are people that are hurting And Father God, we just want you to know we want to commit and we want to consecrate our life to seeing to it that that our eyes are up. We are looking for those that are are hurting. Father, we will help them. We will share with them. We will give them all that we have, Father God. We will love them and show them compassion as you have for us in in these weeks, in these months, and in these years to come, Father God. And Father, we'll give you all the honor and the glory and the praise because all will be saved. That is your heart and that is your desire. And we thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing one more song. I just, again, if you've got prayer requests, our prayer team will be right over here. Walk right down through here or walk around the back, whatever you feel comfortable doing. They'd love to agree with you. And finally, Just take this opportunity to commit what it is that God has spoken to your heart. Maybe it's that person. Maybe it's that individual that you know. And say, God, I just want you to help me, strengthen me, give me the words to say, give me the opportunity, and he will. Amen? Amen.